And I echo thank you to all those who served this last week. It's fun to come back to church and the church is being the church and doing great things. It's fun to watch uh, our people serve in our community with other churches because we're all on the same team lifting up the name of Jesus. So exciting for some of these things. Also, there's so much I want to say. That was kind of the problem. And I need to take my, one of my mentor's advice when I first got into the ministry who said this, you don't have to get it all said in one Sunday. You're in a relationship with your people. You don't have to. I was trying to get it all in in the first service. I'm going to try to do a little bit better here. But I'm telling you, I'm excited for what God has done, what he's doing, and what he will do. I'm excited and thankful for the pastoral team in this church and the great job. I got to see all the messages and all the services, and my heart was so filled and encouraged. That second song we sang today, one of the highlights of our sabbatical, we were in a church in San Diego called the Rock Church. Uh, Miles McPherson, former San Diego Charger, he's the pastor of that church. I wanted to go see that. And uh, uh, just to look over during that second song about how um, God is, uh, basically the principle is God is always with us, that he's not going to let us down. This world lets us down, people let us down, we let ourselves down, but God is, is, is a firm foundation. He's not going to let go of us. And uh, we were singing that song, that was like a second song, and I was like, looking, I see my whole family lifting their hands, praising, singing that song, and I was like, oh man, the tears just begin to flood and flow, and I said, you know what, I got to get back to Pastor Dustin, we got to do that song in our church. And then at the end of our sabbatical, I watched all the messages driving back and forth. Well, I didn't watch. I kept my eye on the road. I listened to them, but I, you know, they were kind of there. And I, I was like, oh, I can never get ahead of Pastor Dustin. You guys already sang that twice before I got back. And this is our third time to sing it today. But man, that's just uh, my daughter's favorite worship song right now. And it's one of ours as well, too. Um, that being said, I will say this, a challenge to you. Not just this Sunday, forever Sunday. Whether this is your first time here, uh, whether this is your thousandth time here, one of the decisions I made was I was going to take a notebook and my Bible in with me to church. I know we do our smartphones. You can do that. That's fine. I'm not old school. You can't, it's not that you can't do that. But maybe you're good at, you know, double thumb typing on your thing and you can take notes and find them. I can't find my notes. Once I enter my phone, half the time I can't find where I, you know, put them. So I just got a cheap little uh, binder to kind of journal in while I was gone, but also to take to all the services and write down the messages. And I'm going to be honest with you. Um, every service is different and there were some services I just felt like the, whole, the, the pastor knocked it out of the park and there was some of the other services I'm going, he didn't quite knock it out of the park. But you know what? I got something out of it because uh, I came with the thought, I'm going to take notes, I'm gonna get this written down, and now I've been able to go back and look at some of these things, and it just kind of spills out of our lives better. The faintest ink is greater than the strongest memory. So I just encourage you, you may not do it today, you may not have it in front of you, but I'd encourage you, if you wanna get the most out of uh, your time at church, or anything in life, um, invest in it. We get out of life what we put into it. We get it, and that doesn't mean bad things don't happen, and we live in a broken world, but we get out of church specifically what we put into it. And so um, the music, we get what we put into it. The message, we get what we put into it. And by the way, one of the uh, churches that we went and visited was gonna be a possible church my daughter was gonna be going to, and it's kind of like, you know, it was, it was okay, I like this, but I didn't like this. It's easy to pick things apart, and I said, you gotta get a steady diet before you can make a decision. 
You know, if we make a, a decision on a restaurant one time, we might miss on how good that restaurant really was. They might have had a bad day or whatever. So I don't always knock it out of the park. I encourage you to get a steady diet. Um, but I just want to encourage us to, to, to put ourselves into it and allow God to speak into our hearts what he wants us to get out of it. That's the message before the message. I could pray, we could be done, we could go home, but we're not. Um, this is the message today. I like new. Anybody else in here like new things, new stuff? Are you awake yet? Do you like new stuff? Now, this is kind of the car key kind of thing, you know. Anybody have car keys? Everyone raises their hand. Who likes new? Everyone likes new. I like new things. I like the smell of a new car. Now, I've only had one brand new car in my life. It was a little 1990 Suzuki Swift. You know, anybody know what the 1990 Suzuki Swift is? It's a little car that runs on squirrels. It goes fast as they can to get you going but it had that new smell and I, I loved it um, we've bought other cars that felt new to us now I have friends that have new cars and I love the smell of a new car uh, we had a young couple in our first service that they're, they're moving into a new home this week. It's so exciting uh, to move into a new home. We've done that in our life before. It's fun to, to move into a new home. Or uh, some of you, as soon as the moment a smartphone or iPhone comes out, you're the first to get it because you've got to have that new iPhone or the new clothes. I don't know if it's a midlife crisis or not. I, I hope this is the extent of my midlife crisis. But in the last year or two, I'm kind of into new shoes. I just kind of got into this thing. I kind of like new shoes. Now, you don't see me in new sho shoes all the time because it costs money to have new shoes all the time. But, I mean, I'm wearing one of my favorite pairs right now that's still kind of newer to me, but I love new shoes. And uh, it's, that, those are fun. My oldest moved into a new apartment, and we got new things. Some of them were old things, but they were new to her. But it's fun. Things that are new are fun. This is not a, we feel better when we have things that are new. And this is not a message to trick you into thinking that this is a message on new things are bad. That's, that's not what this message is about. This is, we were kind of wired to like new. New things shouldn't become an idol. We know that new things get old. But God wired us to like new. The Bible talks a lot about new things. Jesus talked about new things. In fact, aren't we thankful today for the new covenant that we don't live in an old covenant, the Old Testament, the old law that we could not keep. We've broken all the commandments. We couldn't keep any of them. You may think, well, I haven't broken all the commandments. You have broken all the commandments. We have broken all the commandments. We have wanted what other people had. We have lusted after other uh, people that weren't uh, us. And, and Jesus said, if you lust after another woman or man, you've committed adultery in your heart. He says, if you have hate for someone else, you've committed murder in your heart. Now, I know the Christian thing is to say, I don't hate anybody. I've never hated anybody, but I can't stand people. There's some people I can't stand. What's the difference? I mean, if you can't stand them, you don't like them, you hate them, you, you, it's not the Jesus way. Let's just say that. We've broken. We cannot keep God's perfect law and we could not fulfill the Old Testament. I'm so thankful for the new covenant that was purchased through the blood of Jesus, that was bought on the cross. He was buried and raised to life and gave us victory. And so now, instead of 600 and something laws that we have to keep or the 10, 10 commandments even, not that we don't strive for those things, but we know we can't fulfill it perfectly, only one person could do that. So we have the new covenant. Jesus fulfilled that. Our requirement is this, one thing, faith. Faith. Not faith in ourselves, not faith in the church, not faith in a pastor, 
Faith in Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior. That faith, that faith is the key and that holds everything together. And when we receive by faith this new covenant through Jesus Christ, Scripture tells us in 2 Corinthians 5, 17, that if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. You're gonna see new all throughout the Bible. I just dare you to start reading. You're gonna see new all throughout. He is a new creation. The old is gone, the new has come. God likes new. God wants to make us new. And he says when we're in Christ, he's made us a new man or woman inside. It's what he called and, and described to Nicodemus as being born again. That we are, that we are made new, that we are made, we are made fresh. Did you know that God also wants us to think new? He does. God cares about what we think. And he wants us to think new. And that's our series for the next two weeks following today. It's Think New. It's a three-week series starting today. And as we think about new, one of the things I would tell you that thinking new is to think positive. No one sits there and thinks negative and thinks, well, that's, that's new. That's good. When we think new, we think we associate with things that are positive. But I know we naturally are inclined to think negative. It's just our human nature. Pastor Dustin talked about last week in his message that when we watch a movie that many times we go away critiquing it like the critics and we, we nitpick it apart versus just in, enjoying it. I told you last week of my occupational hazard that I kind of touched on just a minute ago that when I go visit other churches or even our own church, I put the critic, hack on, critic hat on and I critique it. I critique the music. I critique the announcements. I critique the preaching. I critique, I critique the greeting. I critique the children's. I go into a church and I critique. And so I had to put that aside for this sabbatical and say, that's not going to help me grow closer to Jesus. That's not going to encourage and, and help me be the better pastor and husband and father that I need to be. So I had to lay that all aside and say, I'm going for one reason, really two reasons, to worship and learn. That's really what church should be. It should be to worship God and learn more about him so we can be more like him and experience more of his love, to, to worship and learn. Now, to some of you, I know that there's always a room that it's kind of half empty or what Pastor Brandon called a few weeks ago, realistic, kind of like Uncle Frank from Home Alone. Remember him saying this? Think positive, Frank. Oh, you be positive, I'll be realistic. So for you realistic people in here, let me just let you know this is not a new age type. It's not the message. This isn't a new age word or message I'm bringing you. This is scriptural. This is biblical. Philippians 4, 8, and 9, the apostle Paul says this. He, he gave this whatever. The key word here is whatever. Brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, Whatever's right, whatever's pure, whatever's lovely, whatever's admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, we're to think about such things. And this is a battle we all fight every day because what happens in our life when we go to work on Monday or show up in school in a couple weeks? What happens? Negative things happen because we live in a broken world. It is so easy for us to focus on the negative thing. Paul's not saying that that won't be the challenge, we'll be done with it, but that is the aim and that is the goal, that we would have the mind of Christ, that we would go, yeah, we could think upon this, but Lord, help me to captivate every thought and give it to you. Man, if it's, let me think about things that are true. Let me think about things that are good. Let me think about things that are of good report or excellent. And, and as the proverb says, as a man or woman thinketh in his heart, so is he or she. 
we are many times the, the, excuse me, the sum of our thoughts. God's been speaking about, about to me about thinking and thinking new. Seven years ago, I came here as your new, your brand new, shiny, sparkly pastor. I was fresh, I was younger, I was good look, no, I'm just, I'm not gonna go that part. I was fresh, I was new, I was shiny, I was 44, I mean, that sounds so young right now, I mean, I was, I was those things. And I wanna tell you, that first Sunday, when you all walked out the door, those of you here, many of you are new, but those of you that were here that you walked out that door, you would have thought I was a rock star or a, a sports athlete. I mean, I was the greatest thing since sliced bread uh, as you walked out there. Everyone loves a new shiny pastor and any pastor would be lying to you that said he or she doesn't like being the new shiny pastor. It's fun being the new shiny pastor. And that's what I was seven years ago. And everyone loves the honeymoon. I don't know hardly anybody that says they weren't a good husband or a good wife on the honeymoon. I mean, nine times out of 10, we're pretty good at the honeymoon. But then everyday life hits. And you found out on week two that there's some flaws, that there's some cheeks in the armor. Thank you for that amen, Tony. We're gonna preach it for a little bit. We're gonna get, I know how to get some amens now. I can get you to speak up now. Not gonna be quiet so more. There, there was some chinks. There's some chinks in the armor. Uh, we got to week three and week four, week five. And honestly, this church has been so good at, at, at accepting those, those flaws and those chinks in those ways. But probably the hardest thing is we think we like everything new, but then that new shiny pastor institutes some new shiny things but they're not all so new and shiny, and thus the, the new pastor becomes the old pastor, and we're not so excited anymore. And then there's some grumbling and complaining that happens amongst some, and some of those brand new people are no longer new and shiny to the pastor either more either. And so you got this thing that really is a good thing because no marriage can stay in a honeymoon forever. Anyone can be married on the honeymoon. What it takes to be married is a commitment. And so it, the good thing is you'd start diving into this reality of going, I'm gonna choose. I'm gonna love. I know my pastor has flaws. I know my people has flaws. I know he's not perfect. I know they're not perfect. But we're entering into a covenant relationship that we're gonna love one another because that is the way Christ loved us. And so I begin to think about this new. And on Tuesday, May 30th, I was thinking about this new, I was woke, woke up in the night. It's the only time I really kind of worked, but I couldn't get these thoughts out of my head. And so I thought, I don't remember things I don't write down. So I, it's the only time I wrote these three thoughts down, I shut my binder, and I didn't work on a sermon. I waited till I got back. But I felt God was impressed upon me on May 30th, think new, and he, gave me three things to think new about. One, he said, think like a new pastor. Think like a new pastor. 
You see, a new pastor comes in, and I have some friends that just have started at some new churches, and they have a fresh vision, they're excited, they're, the people are excited, and there's some new things they're doing and those things, and, and sometimes you think, well, we gotta move away or do something else to be the new, and God began to speak to my heart, you don't have to go somewhere else to be a new pastor. You can be a new pastor when you go back. You can be that new pastor. Yeah, you're familiar, but the decision is yours if you wanna be a new pastor, if you want to think with a new vision if you want to start with a fresh start and so I begin to think how can I think like a new pastor how can we chart a new vision I I don't say the Lord spoke to me audibly or through a burning bush it was just this impression on my spirit think like a new pastor and you don't have to be a new pastor to think like a new pastors so I begin to think what does that look like a little bit one is uh, Pastor Dustin's been with me six years Pastor Nate and Christine have been with me six and a half you think you know the flaws. They work with me every day. I know their strengths and weaknesses. They know my strengths and weaknesses. We know those flaws. We don't always agree on things. But God just began to say, man, Kent, you've been blessed with a great team, with great pastors. You've been blessed with a great board and a great church. Go back then. I mean, some of the new pastor was coming in. If he came in today and you had a brand new pastor coming in, I'm telling you, he'd be excited or she would be excited. They would be excited because this is a great church. God has blessed me with a great church. You have flaws, I have flaws, but we get an opportunity to think new. How do we do that? Well, it's one word. It's love. Galatians 5, 6 says, for in Christ there's neither circumcision nor uncircumcision has any value. This is what I'm after, this part right here. The only thing that counts is faith expressing itself through love. In the opening of this message, I said the only thing that's required of us now is faith. That's all that's required. Not fulfilling all the laws. I mean, our aim is not to break those, but we're just not gonna be perfect. Uh, but our, our aim is to fulfill that, but we know that only Jesus did that. But faith is not good enough by itself. We can say that we have faith. James, the half-brother of Jesus said, you tell me about your faith, I'll show you my faith. He wasn't saying he was saved by works, he was saved by grace, but what he was saying is, if you don't have love, your faith's worthless. It doesn't count. If you don't have love, your, your faith doesn't count. It, it, it doesn't, I'll tell you, my, Heather uh, would say that she would rather me show her that I love her every day than tell her that I love her every day. It matters so much more. We can say that we love God, but how that is expressed is through love. There's so much of that's talked about. Romans 12, 9 says that our love should be sincere. It shouldn't be phony. It shouldn't be fake. And it doesn't mean we agree all the time or anything like that, but it, our, our love, may our love be sincere. If we're gonna hate anything, let's hate what's evil. But let's not hate any person we're to love even those who disagree with us, don't like us, look differently, whatever. And the greatest example of this is Jesus' love. Or what is described in John chapter 13, 34. When Jesus said these words to us, he says, a new commandment I give you, love one another as I have loved you, so you must love one another. And when we first look at that, we think, Jesus, this isn't a new command. This is something you gave at the very beginning. You gave this in the Ten Commandments. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, with all your strength, and love your neighbor as yourself. What's new 
about this command. And I've read this so many times, and honestly, it didn't hit me until one of these seven messages. I'm taking the, I'm like, oh, why have, why has it taken me 51 years? There's always something we're learning or growing. Someone says it differently, and I was like, I've always thought, what's new about this command? What makes it new is this, as I have loved you. That's what makes it different. Old Testament says, love your neighbor as yourself, hate your enemies. Jesus says, no, my standard's different. Love you, love others as I've loved you. I loved you before you loved me. I loved you at your worst moment, your greatest sin, the thing you'd want no one else to know about. I loved you then before you received me. I loved you and you're to love others the way that I loved you. You're to forgive others the way that I've forgiven you. Oh, but there's these excuses, there's these things. You don't understand. God's saying, really? I don't understand. I was on the cross. I bled for you. While you were still far from me, I died for you. Really? What, what's, what's different? What makes this a goal and something to really ask the Holy Spirit to work towards is that it is, it is a tall order. Love others as I have loved you. And I believe that God is giving me, and I want to emphasize giving, not has given, because I don't think this is going to be fully true until the day I'm in heaven. I don't believe it's something that's accomplished in me that I've done. I still have struggles and work in these things in my life. But I believe that God is giving me a new sincere love for people. I believe God is giving me a new love for people who don't agree with me. I believe that God is giving me a new love for the last seven years. As I think about this, a lot of your faces are new. There's a lot of faces that aren't here that were here seven years ago. And it's not because they all died. God has given me a, a new love for those who have left the church. We're all on the same team. We don't understand why everything or, or decisions that are made, but what does God call us to do? He calls us to love. He's given me and he's giving us, I believe he's gonna give us a new love. We're called to love. Now this isn't just a mushy, gooey, a greasy grace kind of love we're also called to love one another by sharing the truth in love and I have this idol in my life that God is working on my heart about and that's this idol of the approval of man pastors like the approval of their people and when they do things and make changes and do different things and people don't like them for those things that has become an idol God wants us to have one God and that we only idolize one and that's Jesus Christ. That we're to idolize and, and, and put him on the pedestal. And so help us Lord to think like a new pastor to also speak the truth in love and sometimes I've avoided in the last seven years some truthful conversations because I wanted people to like me. And we're not doing each other any favors. It doesn't mean we go looking for mountains to climb or arguments to have. But what it does say is sometimes in the church, pastors also need to have honest conversations one-on-one -on -one or whatever with people. But we can do it with love. Jesus has been challenging me in this new commandment to love as he did. And it's a tall order and I'm going to need his help. You're going to need his help. So here's the second part. I believe God was talking about... A, you know, thinking like a new pastor. And then the next thing I felt like he was saying is think like a new church. 
Think like a new church. Now this church is 117 years old. And the older we get, the harder it is to think like a new church. Uh, The longer we get away from the honeymoon, the longer, the harder it is to do the things and to think like we were when we were first married and we were new. It's hard to do that. It's hard to do that, but to think like a new church. Thank God for 1905, as someone helped clarify after the first service, when four women started this church. You want to start something good? Start it with women, probably. If you want to mess it up, get some guys involved. This, this church was started with four ladies, and I'm so thankful for the pioneers of this church. You know what it is to think new? It's to think like a pioneer. Pioneers blaze new trails where no one else has been. Pioneers take risks that others weren't willing to take. Pioneers uh, will risk failure where there other people wouldn't risk failure. We are standing on the shoulders of some faithful men and women of God who have, through their faithfulness and through their perseverance, we stand here today. And while I'm so grateful for that and so thankful for that, I also believe that the greatest threat to the future of our church is not to think new. It's not to think what it is to think with a new mindset. Or or another way I said it, I I wrote it this way. We'd like to say it this way. Is the death of this church or any church will be the moment our memories become greater than our dreams. That's true of anything in life. The moment your memories become greater than your dreams, a business dies. Talk to the Sears robot. I mean, there's so many, you have to change, you have to adapt. The, the moment that our, our memories become greater than our dreams in our marriage, the marriage begins to die. Our, our dreams have to be greater. In our personal lives, our dreams have to be greater. Heather and I are entering into this new season that we've kind of been in, but we're going more and more into it, of this empty nesting thing. And our dreams for our future has to be great. I love, there's nothing wrong with memories. We, we, we look at you all the time, and especially those of you with grandkids and, and little ones, these little two and three-year-olds out here, and Heather and I look at you guys and we go, where did the time go? What happened? We used to be these people. And now we're, when we show up on a college campus, we're the old people we used to talk about. I mean, what happened? What happened? The death of anything will be when the memories become greater than the dreams. Friends, I believe that God has greater plans for us, a greater future. I was telling the first service that, you know, we have a few more older in that service, and I was just saying, if you're not done, if you're not dead, you're not done. I really believe that Pastor Bones, one of the things that when his life got short was when he no longer physically could serve anymore. What kept Bones alive was serving in the kingdom and being able to love on people and he loved the next generation. And, and, but when we, if you're not dead, you're not done. God has greater things for us. He has a new vision. He has, he has a greater vision for Heather and I, our empty nesting for ministry because we're gonna have some more time on our hands that we didn't have before. I believe that God can use us in greater ways. And I was encouraged by Pastor Brandon's message and challenge a few weeks ago that we have 26,800 in Reno County that have no religious or church affiliation. 26,800 that just really kind of like, they're just apathetic, don't, they're not against God, but they don't, they, don't, they don't care about being in church, they don't care being about part of church or part of the fellowship. 
they, we, have a, we have a big, a big job ahead of us. Our job is far from over. And we need to think like a new church. We need to think like pioneers. And you're saying, where is he going today? I don't have any specifics today. I don't have any specifics of what that looks like today. But what I can tell you is this, is that growing things don't stay the same. Growing marriages don't stay the same. Growing businesses don't stay the same. Growing churches don't stay the same. Growing things don't stay the same. So I don't have specifics for it, but I can tell you what it's gonna take to navigate through this. It's back to that one four-letter word, love. It's gonna take love. Uh, Love is so powerful and so many things can happen, but when you lose it, you lose everything. And one of the early churches, the church in Ephesus, that was written about as a prophecy of later, but it was also was happening then, was one of the churches in Ephesus in Revelation chapter two, I believe it is. The angel of the church in Ephesus wrote, these are the words of him who holds the seven stars in his right hand and walks among the seven gold lampstands. I know your deeds, your hard work, and your perseverance. I know that you cannot tolerate wicked people. You have tested those who claim to be apostles but are not and have found them to be false. You have persevered and have endured hardships for my name and have not grown weary. These are, these are good things. I mean, these are compliments. It's like you don't quit. You work hard. You get after it. You love righteousness. You, you oppose wickedness. These are good things, but I'm telling you, you can have all those good things, but if you miss this, you've missed it all. You're just throwing the baby out with the bathwater if you don't have this. Yet I hold this against you. You have forsaken your first love you have, that you had at first. Consider how far you have fallen. Repent and do the things you did at first, or I'll remove your influence. There's no church of Ephesus today. There's the example of Ephesus, but there's no church of Ephesus And we have to think like a new church, same message, but think like a new. Now, I wanna tell you, I wanna give us some, I I didn't have time to share this in the first service. I do wanna thank you as a church for letting us try new things, risk failure, risk doing some things that don't always work. Father's Day, um, we had Andrew Stanley here, great Christian comedian, funny, um, even a better man on behind the stage than in front. He was offering to bring our staff coffee that morning before he even came, went out, had lunch with them, uh, loved on their kids. I mean, better man than he, uh, behind the scenes, he was, uh, you know, even up front. But, you know, one of the things that we kind of noticed in that, and I feel like we missed the mark, is I believe every worship service, every time we come to church, the gospel should be shared, a testimony of what God has done and what God is doing. And, and do, But we don't just throw the baby out with the bathwater. And if we'd bring him back in a heartbeat for a Friday night or Saturday, and he, he confessed that, you know, Sunday morning's not his normal kind of gig. And he loves Jesus, and he's a follower of Christ. But, the, you know, the gospel wasn't shared that day. Thanks for being a church. I came back, I didn't get one email. Not one email. Not one saying, Pastor, we didn't do this, we didn't do that, or whatever. Thanks for being a gracious church that, you know, gets a steady diet. You know who we are and who we're not. But I, I just think that thanks for being a church that takes risks to go, after the 90, to go after the one and leave the 99. That's the whole reason of the movie series. It wasn't because we're promoting 
uh, secular movies or anything like that. It's like when someone walks into a church and they're like, I don't, this stuff's weird. I don't even know what these people are singing. What are these words? What's this karaoke? I mean, they, I mean who knows what they're kind of thinking? It's strange to them. I went to seven different churches, and I'll tell you, I'm a believer, a follower of Christ, but there were some things in there that were strange to me, different than what I was used to. And that's just a way of Paul used these words, I have become all things to all people in order that I might win some. And that's all that was, the effort was, is not so we could, you know, have fun. I mean, it was, it was to have fun, but it was with fun with the purpose. And finally, I'll say this. Third, third thing I felt like impressed upon me was think like a new Christian. Think like a new pastor. Think like a new church. I don't know what that looks like completely. Take risks, but do you remember, those of you who are followers of Jesus, do you remember when you first received his love and forgiveness? Do you remember that day, that moment, that time? Do you remember what the weeks looked like that followed when you gave your heart and life to Jesus? And the farther we get away from that, the easier it is to forget how far God came to love us, forgive us, and set us free. I just remember I was 10 years old. I didn't have the weight of the world on my shoulders, but I had some weight, and, and, and that weight was lifted. The best decision I made in my life was 10 years old and has affected many other decisions, good decisions. I still messed up, I still fallen, but it's that decision, I was free. I was a 10 year old boy, I, didn't, I shouldn't have had a care in the world, but I was free. I was forgiven. For my dad, it was 19. For my grandpa, it was 72. What was it for you? Do you remember that day? You were set free. You were forgiven. You didn't earn it. You didn't deserve it. But God came down. He showed you his love and you received it. And you became a follower of Christ. You became a Christian. And there was a joy that was inside of you. There's a joy that came over you because you knew that you'd received his love. I love new Christians around here. I served with some of them yesterday at our, and they didn't, you know, they didn't want to go home. I'm not going to point anybody out or, or, or do anything, but I was like, I was ready to go home. It was getting hot. You know, it was like, I love kids, but do I love them this much? I mean, I mean, I was like, I was ready to go home. And I think they would stay till midnight. Some of, I, I just, the, the, the enthusiasm is contagious of new believers, of new followers of Christ, because they're so laser focused. They're so tunnel vision. They're just, they're just glad that Jesus has forgiven them and they're free. And when they come to church, they come with one perspective. They don't, they're not looking, they don't know good music from bad. They don't know good preaching from good preaching. They don't know a good church from a bad church. But because they found Jesus in this church, this is the best church ever. That's all they see. And you get around here longer, you go, oh, there's some things. We got some stuff we got to work on. But they see one thing. They're so tunnel vision on what God has done in them. Do you remember what that was like? Do you remember the joy of our salvation? Psalm 51, 12, 13 says this. Restore to me the joy of your salvation. I've often misquoted that just in not meaning to, but just kind of hasten. I've said, Lord, restore to me the joy of my salvation. It's not my salvation. It's his salvation. He's the one that's done the work. He's the one that found me. I love that. There's some movie out there and it's like, did you, are, are, did, is, did you find Jesus? Did you find Jesus? And I love the comment back. It's like, I didn't know Jesus was lost. Jesus isn't lost. We're the ones that have been found. 
It's not our salvation. There's nothing we could have done to earn it or deserve it. Restore to me the joy of your salvation and grant me a willing spirit to sustain me. Then, there's a then. If we're a follower of Jesus, there's gonna be a then. There's gonna be a purpose. There's gonna be a reason to our existence and our reason for our existence is to help other people find Jesus. Help either other people experience that joy to go after that one and leave the 99. Then I will teach transgressors your ways so that sinners will turn back to you. So I leave you with this question What if we thought new? It's a daily thing because I like to go back to old thinking, negative thinking. But what if we thought new? What if we remembered the joy of His salvation in us? What if we thought like a new Christian how much would everything change in our church what if we thought as a new church pioneers church planters trying new things doing things different all for the purpose that we might get one more in here to find Jesus that wasn't here before what if we thought like a new Christian what if we thought like a new church what if our pastors thought as new pastors What if I thought as new pastor? What if we thought new? Let's pray today. Heavenly Father, thank you. Thank you for dying on a cross for my sins. Thank you that you defeated death and were resurrected on that third day. Thank you that you gave me what I did not deserve or earn. You freely have given me your love, your grace, your mercy, and your forgiveness. Thank you for my friends, Lord, in this room that have received that love and that grace and that mercy. With your heads bowed and your eyes closed, a couple more questions for you. No one looking around. I'm not here to embarrass anybody. But I know sometimes we get to places that I didn't share that last part of Revelation. There's an answer to our problem. To repent and do the things we did at first. That's what we're told in Revelation. How far you've fallen, but repent and do the things you did at first. Repent and do the things you did at first in in your marriage. Repent and do the things in in your business. Maybe your business started out, I was gonna glorify God, and now it's it's more about just the the money, whatever it may be, or in your school, or whatever it may be, in this church, in your personal life. Repent and do the things you did at first. And maybe today you're like, you know, I know God loves me, and I love God, but if I'm honest, no one's looking around Man, the joy, the mojo, it's just not there. And I just, I want to confess that to God and ask him to help me with that. No one's looking around, but your hand, just raise your hand that I can pray with you. This is not about me and you. This is about you and God. Yeah, yeah. Oh, you're, you're not alone. You're not alone. Hey, this, this, we're all in this together. You can put your hands down. We're all in this together. First thing I want to tell you is this. God loves you more than you could ever know. God has not changed. God has not moved. Sometimes we move, but he has not moved. He is the same yesterday, today, and forever. His love for you does not change. It is the same. But just like the children of Israel, just like human nature, sometimes we drift. I just want to pray for you, my friends. Lord, I thank you for these who just have 
Lord has reached out to you. I believe that's what they're doing. They're saying, God, I, we recognize that there's some joy that I've lost, some mojo that I've lost, and there's some things that maybe I did at first that I, and, and maybe, maybe even as you leave here to the place, I don't want you to leave here thinking that it'll completely be, the feelings are gonna be different. Sometimes we repent and do, start doing the things we did at first. But Lord, I do pray that everyone, whether they raise their hand or not, but that's their prayer today, that they would love to see the joy of your salvation restored in them. They would love to see your grace flow through them and your love. I pray that you, you do that now. And I pray that they would leave here knowing that you love them not based on their performance or what they can do for you, but you love them simply because they are. And maybe you're here today and your head's bowed and your eyes still closed. Maybe you're here today or even watching online and you haven't received Jesus and you haven't received that joy the first time. Scripture says today is the day of salvation and if it's one person, it's enough and it's great. But I'm not gonna embarrass you or call you out, but you want to receive Christ as your Savior and Lord today by faith in Him alone. I'm just gonna ask you to raise your hand. I'm gonna pray for you. Anybody that want to do that here in this service? Thank you. Thank you. I see, I saw that one. Saw that. Saw that. Just pray this prayer, Lord Jesus. My faith is in you right now. I confess you as my Lord and Savior, and I ask you to come into my life and make me a brand new person inside. And Lord, I thank you that your word tells us that the one who earnestly seeks you, you will no wise cast out, that you will make them a child of God, a, a, a love by the King of kings and the Lord of lords. So Lord, your spirit, will your spirit, as you promised, will go and bear witness with their spirit that they're a child of God, love for you. And then we're all just on this journey together. The reason we just kind of keep coming back every week is we just want to know you more. We want to take steps with you. We want to, we want to think new. We want, to, we want to have the mind of Christ. And we want to think like a new believer and think like a new church and a new Christian and as a new pastor. So Lord, thank you for not only what all you've done. Thank you for what you're doing. And Lord, thank you what you're going to do because behold, you are making all things new. Thank you for new. Help us to think new in Jesus' name. Amen.